Hi friends, welcome to the Psyche Mental Wellbeing Podcast with me, your host, Hannah. On the show, I'm joined each episode by an amazing guest to have an honest conversation, share our real life experiences and tackle stigma and misconceptions around mental health along the way. We believe that everyone would benefit from focusing a little more on their mental well-being, and we're here to support you to do just that. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, friends. Welcome back. Happy Wednesday. Wellbeing Wednesday. I always say that and I don't really know. (laughs) Starting the podcast feels like sometimes the hardest thing if I I don't have a clear thing of what to say and it always feels a bit awkward. But hi, welcome back and and so happy that you have tuned in again today or if if it's your first time, welcome and I really hope that you enjoy the show. Firstly, I want to say thank you to Mandy again for sharing with us on Monday when we were talking about nutrition and all of that great stuff. And today we're guessing, I guess we're getting a bit more into the, maybe the mental space or kind of the spiritual, uh, emotional, that kind of stuff. And we are joined by Harry. And so (laughs) just a quick disclaimer, not really a disclaimer, but a note of something I noticed, which you might not notice maybe you will, but you probably will now that I'm going to tell you about it. When I was listening back, I I felt like I was in the Lego movie uh, because everything was awesome. And so every time Harry shares me, I said, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I do try and vary from, to be honest, just between awesome and amazing. But I really love connecting with guests and and talking with them. And often when they're saying stuff, I'm like, wow, yeah, great. Awesome. And, And so I maybe default to the same kind of things and it felt like to me anyway listening back that everything was awesome in this conversation so uh, just <laughs> let you know about that uh, hopefully it's not too um too irritating um but I really loved having this conversation with Harry and all the things that we explored and for me I think self-awareness and really understanding yourself and being t- able to tune in and and know and understand yourself more I feel like is at is one of the kind of foundation pieces, I think, for changing how we feel about ourselves and feeling more positive, happy, optimistic, joyful, switched on, what, however you want to describe it, but really being able to connect with ourselves and show up in our lives. I think self-awareness is such a key piece. And I think some of the things that we talked about are really great ways of doing that. So I really hope that you enjoy this conversation and I will check back in with you at the end. Hi everyone and I'm really happy to welcome this week's guest Harry to the podcast. So Harry, welcome and if you could tell us a little bit about yourself that'd be fab. Yes, well thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. My name is Harry Sherwood and I'm a holistic life coach how I stepped into that just kind of is, it's a, it's a long story. It's, it's, it really kind of begins in how my childhood was and my, my interests and what my, my heart was calling me towards mixed with my development and the challenges that I went through that really created a struggle, insecurities, fear, lack, all those things. And how I went about trying to um, answer those honestly, but most of it was subconscious. So just to kind of give a brief there, uh, my dad wasn't really around a ton. He was there, but he wasn't there. Uh, And my mom was very loving, but didn't give me any direction. So I felt lost. 
I, I just didn't know where to go. And then, you know, I got into a group of friends and it was friends leading friends. It was, it was the, you know, the uh, peers uh, raising peers, but it didn't fully work out uh, wonderfully. So I just, I, I felt without mentorship and I was always called to uh, just wisdom. I wanted wisdom. I was, I was just starving for wisdom and that wound up through several events, but um, wound up taking me around the world. And my first place I landed when I was 19 or 20 was China. And I studied Tai Chi and Qigong with Shaolin monks. And I stayed there for about four months. And then I came back to the States and I uh, moved into an ashram uh, with Self-Realization Fellowship founded by Paramahansa Yogananda. So it was uh, Indian-based yogic meditation. Stayed there for six months, meditated for hours a day. Sundays were all in silence with six-hour meditation sits. And so that year really uh, started to answer that call, started to answer that, that inner call for wisdom, inner call for, hey, there feels like there's something more to life that I'm, that I'm lacking, that I'm missing. Um, and that really was the foundation at which the next decade or so of life was founded on. Wound up getting a degree in religious studies, uh, focused on psychology and different perspectives as opposed to just the different religions themselves. That led me to Ghana for a month, led me to Indonesia, I got to study more culture. Uh, wound up going back to the ashram a second time, stayed for another five months, uh, beautiful time there. Wound up uh, leaving the ashram and meeting my partner in life, partner in business, Melanie McDaniel. Um, and we just started growing together. She came to the a similar search but she had a lot of trauma in her past and she came to a VA healing and I had a healing aspect as well, but it was more seeking. So seeking and healing coming together and we wound up supporting each other, started teaching meditation. I was a high school football coach before I got back into sports performance coaching, um, brought in some sports nutrition, nutritional aspects to what we were doing along the way, got involved with the mastermind that did a lot of life coaching. So I was with them for a few years. Um, and then Melanie specifically with both of us came across, came across a lot of indigenous teachings, native indigenous to the, to the Americas, but worldwide and started sitting in plant medicine ceremonies. That was a very deep and profound path that Melanie is walking still to this day, really powerful uh, along the way, wound up getting involved with HeartMath and the HeartMath Institute. And HeartMath is absolutely beautiful in their teachings. I'm a HeartMath trainer. And it's all about how does the heart, what is it, what's the role that the heart has in our, in our life more than just pumping blood to the body? I mean, all these wisdom teachings and ancient teachings have been talking about the heart in, in quite profound ways for hundreds and thousands of years. So what HeartMath did is that they said, all right, well, let's study this. Let's take the, you know, the rigorous um, scientific method and let's see what we can get out. And they've gotten some really cool things. And so now I teach that. And we just personally, we were people who are continuously seeking that inner wisdom, seeking that guidance, that mentorship, found it in all sorts of different ways. I am now a mentor myself. Um, and it's just become so potent, so powerful. It's answered so many of the questions I had that I didn't even know I had. Uh, and so it's, yeah, it's been beautiful. It's been an unfolding uh, and I love supporting other people in it. I'm continuously being supported in it. I I believe in the, even though I'm not at the top, top doesn't mean I can't reach a hand down. And also doesn't mean I can't reach a hand up as well and, and gain help myself. And it's just a continuous walking of that path. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Thank you. 
for sharing that and at one massive travel envy uh, when you were sharing particularly at the moment um but it sounds like a, such amazing experience and and I have not traveled um as much or, or stayed as long uh, in places but when I have it's such an amazing experience to experience other cultures and to kind of really broaden your your own horizons and I imagine when you're spending four six five months somewhere and meditating and all of that that there must be so much self-awareness that you develop or that kind of personal wisdom and self-exploration even the traveling that I did and I occasionally did a bit of meditating but nowhere near as much I found it quite um yeah a a transformational experience for myself I'd say yeah and that's really the power of what um traveling can do and being in other cultures and different ways of life is it offers, well, it kind of depends on how it's done, first of all, but um, it offers a broader perspective or maybe a different perspective. And then what's left up to us is to integrate. Okay, what parts of this culture can I take home with me? And what parts do I not necessarily want to take home with me? What parts of my own culture am I in line with? And what parts of my own culture do I not necessarily want to keep practicing? And so the more that we're able to step outside of our own perspective, whether that is by traveling to the other side of the world, or that's by, you know, following certain people on YouTube or reading certain books or whatever way we are called to, it's how do I broaden my perspective, learn to sit in other perspectives. And something that I came across along my way that really hit me, like really hit me between the eyes, because I was doing this up until I heard this quote, was someone was talking, he said, along the way, I stopped trying to fit reality into my perspective because it's always going to be bigger than my perspective. And that just, that was it for me. It was like, yes, yes. I'm always broadening, but there's always going to be more reality is infinite. And I'm just continuously opening more and more and more. And the more I do that, the more capacity and space I have to hold for other ways of life that might hold some very powerful teachings. And it does, it can come through travel. Absolutely. And and I, I love that, that quote and that idea because um, I can definitely remember times where I've, I've read something maybe that has a different perspective and I've sort of taken something from it and then years later you read it and it's there's a whole other layer to it that you that you just maybe weren't ready to to absorb the message of at the time and like you said you're broadening and then you're able to take more of that on because you've created more space for it and I think that's um yeah a great reminder and I, I think yeah we so much try and just fit things into how we see the world and our little box of how we view the world yeah absolutely. yeah and and I love um what the things that you said um uh, about your childhood and, and about your your mother kind of um maybe being very loving but very kind of free and not having that structure and I think that's something that sometimes we um I'm not a parent but I've sort of worked in education and so sometimes we think that is the best way to help children to be independent or give them spaces to to have that lack of structure but actually it can be really important to have those kind of boundaries or have that structure for that that kind of safety and is that something with your journey and and what you do now that that are you someone who loves structure are you someone who is quite open and kind of I don't know what's the opposite of structure (laughs) I mean a structured life how is it kind of shaped how you sort of um like to live your life I guess 
Yeah, I like that question. It's a good question. I, I find balance. I, I really like to find a balance between the two within my own life and within the people that I work with that I'm helping along the way. It's finding, it's creating structure because I think structure is incredibly important because it gives us direction. But I don't want to treat structure as the end all. I want to, I want it to be malleable. And so what we wind up doing is say, okay, well, we're going to create a morning routine or a daily habit and we're going to walk towards the top of the mountain. But that doesn't mean that morning routine is always going to stay the same. And it doesn't mean that it can't be completely your own. It might, yours might look totally different than mine, but do you have the structure of walking forward? Do you have the structure of building a presence practice of building the capacity to learn how to hold that, to build your openness in your space, to learn different perspective? Do you have the ability to apply what you've learned? Cause a lot of people don't, right? It goes, I learn all this stuff, but I don't actually integrate it. I don't actually apply it. And a part of that integration is structure. We need a structure in order to download it into our way of being, right? I can read Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now and understand that the present moment is deeply important. But if I don't ever have a presence practice that I practice daily, it's not going to do me much good. It's just like a book on the shelf collecting dust. It's just collecting dust in my brain. So how, and I find that structure is the way to, to download that. However, my way of really learning to, to get into flow state or really connect might be through dance. It might be through bodily movement. And so therefore my form of therapy that really works for me might be some sort of somatic therapy, whether it's somatic psychotherapy or it's some sort of you know group work, whatever it might be. Whereas someone else might be far more attuned to the analytic and the cognitive. So something like cognitive behavioral therapy might be more helpful for them. Um, and so it's, it's finding out what works for us, not all, and, and here's also an important distinction is it's, I want to know what works for me, but I don't want to stay in a rigid box of what only works for me, right? If I am the, the person who's a storyteller and the person who really understands, um, through metaphor and through movement and through the artistic side of life, that doesn't mean I don't want to build the capacity to be cognitive and the capacity to understand things on a very structural level, because that can be really important. And then the same thing on the other side, if I am someone who I'm all about systems and I'm all about, well, if it's, it's not A, B, C, D, or E in that order, then it doesn't work. Well, maybe it might if we're able to move into a more fluid movement kind of, and this is where the left brain, right brain conversation comes in a little bit. Um, so it's working with what works for you well, capitalizing on that, creating a system around it, and then being open and as much as possible, allowing ourselves to experience something that might be a little bit outside of our normal way of life. This, the, the common terminology here is outside of your comfort zone, um, because it does offer expansion. It offers to a, a resiliency within self that allows us to uh, continue to evolve towards whatever top of the mountain we have set for ourselves. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's great with what you said there about that uh, structure can give you direction. But yes, if it's too rigid, then it shuts down all those other opportunities that we that we could try out. And And I think sometimes when we try something, it doesn't work for us. We just kind of think, oh, that didn't work. We don't really pause and reflect on well, why didn't it work? What didn't I like about it? That that kind of really useful information about ourselves. We sometimes don't do that kind of learning from or that reflecting on. We just think, oh, I didn't like that. Um, 
so <laughs> it didn't work for me and uh yeah, I think having that that being open to lots of different ways is um something I try and do. Um, but I absolutely when you said about the um hearing stuff and reading stuff and not putting in action, I was like, oh, that's me. I uh, sometimes listen back to interviews and someone said something great and I at the time would be like, Oh, that's amazing. And then it just <laughs> life goes on and I yeah, I don't take that time, as you said, to sort of embed it or integrate it. Yes. And that is the number one thing across the board that I see with people who they look back two years ago and all their goals and dreams haven't been met yet because there wasn't the integration, the application. And that's, it's a big challenge for people because um, in the ashram, there was a quote, environment is stronger than willpower. And I don't think that's hundred percent of the time true, but I think it's true a lot. I think there are a lot of cases where if all my momentum and my environment's heading right, Turning left, I might need support for, whether it's getting out of my environment or it's changing my environment or it's having some sort of an accountability partner. Obviously, I'm a coach. It could be a coach. It could be a therapist. It could be you. I don't care where it comes from, but doing things on our own, it's rolling the dice. And I'm speaking from someone who is a coach and has coaches. Like I am always, I always, I call it my Jedi counsel. I always have my Jedi counsel. I always have my go-to for whether it's the more, you know, spiritual practices or my, you know, business type of stuff or my health and nutrition type of things. Like I, I teach in most of those areas. I don't do much business teaching, but it's still like, how am I developing, applying in my own life? Because it's important to, it's important to. So yes, I totally understood. And that's actually the reason that we created the uh, meditation group that we have. It runs twice a day because so many times people I've heard people say, Oh, you're, you teach meditation. I used to meditate or I meditated or I've always wanted to meditate. And I always say, well, why don't you? I uh, just, it's hard to remember. I started, but stopped because I just couldn't create a routine out of it. There's all these, lack of building the momentum long and long enough and strong enough in order for it to stay. So I said, all right, how can I, how can I be this system without having to be with people all the time? And so I was like, all right, we're hopping on zoom for a half hour, twice a day, make it to either of them, but come on so that you can start to form a habitual practice and we do different types. So you can find which one works for you. Um, and that's, so that's, we've, we've tried to leverage creating some sort of, consistency for people along their path and I guess you're you're providing that sort of scaffolding of, of helping people embed that structure and I think sometimes when we're trying to learn something new it can be really overwhelming of like well, how do I do it am I doing it right this way doesn't really work for me and so giving that structure and giving that teaching at the same time as that support you're helping people to sort of um, pick it up for themselves and understand it and you're there they can ask you questions if they're they're not sure because I think particularly with meditation you know and and I've said many of the things <laughs> that you've just uh, sort of said that people say sometimes it, we have that oh it's not working or I'm not doing it right or I don't really this this was difficult I don't understand it. and having someone that you can say is this normal is this is this right am I doing it right I think it's a really a really powerful thing and and how are those those going you said um do you start them quite recently how are, how are people responding to them yeah so that meditation group in particular started back in i want to say february 
So um, it's been going well. It's been going well. There's kind of like a little core group of people that have been coming consistently and then other people kind of float in and float out. Um, it, it, yeah, it's going well. People, people seem to enjoy it, get a lot out of it. Um, and it's like you said, it's, I might have an expectation of coming into meditation because I read the autobiography of a yogi or I read some book that talked about enlightenment and I want to be enlightened because it sounds amazing. And so I go into meditation thinking that in six months, I'm going to be enlightened. Well, if I'm creating that expectation around number one, what I want out of it, what, but what it's going to look like, I immediately start to push out what it actually looks like, which is, oh, no, I'm becoming present with what is, meaning what my thoughts, my emotions, my sensations, everything that is within my body. And oh, it's pretty restless in here. I don't like this. And so essentially what meditation shows us is what's already there so that we can bring it to the surface and be with it, process it, and either release or integrate it and move on. So it's a practice of understanding what is there and what might be standing in our way to that enlightened state, to that state of pure flow. And so some meditations are beautiful and I walk away feeling amazing. Some meditations are like, oh crap here we go again, right? Like this is, oh, I still have this thing coming up. I didn't, I thought I got rid of this thing. So, and that's around the expectations, how the expectations can be challenging for us at times because I want to have a goal, but I don't want that goal and what I think that goal is gonna look like because walking the path and knowing the path are two different things. If I know what I want, that's beautiful, but I walking it, it's, in, it's always, always, always gonna be different. So if I'm too, again, going back to structure and rigidity, if I'm too rigid on what it has to look like, I close off what it might look like. There was something I was reading about meditation um, recently, and I've had a few where I've been, really like zen like my mind is so quiet and I'm quite zen I was like oh that's great and actually possibly (laughs) it's too much too relaxed and I needed to possibly have more awareness and be more connected to my thoughts and my breath and and so I kind of go into that yeah well this is really chilled this is great my mind's quiet I'm I'm doing it right but actually uh, (laughs) it was maybe not not so and it was uh because yeah, nothing was coming up probably because I was, to be honest, really tired at the time. And so my brain probably was like, hey, this is um this is an hour of time where we can just shush and uh, and chill out. And so my question for you is when you say it was too relaxed, was this before something that you needed to do with your your time, your space, your energy, or was this before bed or so it was uh evening, so it was like a, a meditation group. So it was an evening session after a long day. So quite often I'd already be tired when I was sort of sitting on the mat and yeah. yeah. So I think then it's that okay. borderline. Am I close to falling asleep? Sort of. And I would say is it, again, it depends on why we're sitting, right? If I'm sitting because I want to create a very deep presence and focus, then yeah, that might not be the best time to do it if you're very tired. But if I'm doing this just to let my body do whatever it needs to do, meaning it might need sleep, it's actually a really good thing to do before sleep because if I struggle falling asleep, maybe it helps me calm my the restlessness of my mind if I have restlessness or whatever it might be, the activation into a calm state so I can fall asleep. So when my body does fall asleep in meditation, it's actually telling me something. It's actually saying, hey, 
you're running on low energy right now and you should probably get more sleep, maybe eat healthy, maybe meditate a little bit more. Like it's telling me my body's actually responding to something right now. So it's a good indicator. Um, and it's, it's one of those things that goes back to no expectation. Like if I, if I'm expecting to be deeply present and focused during meditation versus, Hey, whatever this meditation brings up, whether it's restlessness, whether it's tired, being tired and sleepy, or it's a deep, profound presence, I'm going to let it bring up whatever my body is communicating to me that I might not be listening to in the moment. Yeah. And I think the, the, the focus of the whole group was on a, a sort of awareness. Um, but yes, maybe what my body was saying was like, nope, <laughs> that's not what we need right now. We need to sleep, which is probably a fair um, assessment of what I needed at the time. So yeah, I think that's really, really helpful to, to listen to whatever, whatever it is. And that could be you fell asleep. Right. Right. And that's, and again, it depends on the purpose, yeah. but like inevitably, so I'll, I, I do retreats um, personally, and then as well as, you know, just helping other people and whatnot. But if I go on, say it's a Vipassana 10 day retreat, or I go to the ashram again for a little while, like inevitably the day, the first day or two, I'll sleep a lot. Like my body will just go into a deep sleep mode. And then after that, in meditation, I can sit for instead of, you know, the short amounts of times, especially on those retreats, I can sit for up to six hours or more a day without getting tired because I've already, I've, my body's already rejuvenated. It's already got the R&R that it needed. And so now I can focus more deeply as opposed to nodding off and fighting that. It's like, no, just go to bed early, wake up late, sleep in the middle of the day until your body says, okay, I'm good. I'm good. And so obviously that's not something that everyone has access to necessarily, but even, you know, if you have a, a long weekend, just recognizing, okay, I'm gonna let my body catch up on sleep until it says I'm good. Yeah. And I, honestly, bef before this, uh, an hour before we came on, I had a power nap on the sofa because that's what my body said it wanted. So I just thought I'm going to set an alarm, have a little snooze and then hopefully be more refreshed. Although now we're talking about sleep. <laughs> kind of the edge to yawn coming but um as we're talking about sleep and 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 some of the things that our body can be asking for um I'd love to know more about how you work with people and what it means to live a holistic life from from your perspective yeah so from my perspective a holistic life really has to do with we are a whole organism and we are made up of a lot of individual parts but those individual parts don't function the same as they do when they're brought together so a good way of, of thinking about this is our eyes and our vision, right? If I only have one eye, then I don't necessarily get the, the convergence of vision that creates this whole 3D world that I might versus one eye. Same thing with hearing, same thing with, um, you know, my legs walk, my arms move things, my brain cognizes, my heart senses, like all these different things. They work with a very specific function, but when you put them together, something new emerges. And this is actually called emergence in like in sciences and whatnot. And so it's understanding that there are parts of myself and my being that might, that I can focus on very individually. So say uh, nutrition, we utilize plant-based nutrition. And that's a good way to help the physical body regenerate and heal to lower uh, inflammation, to help combat certain diseases, physical diseases, it also impacts the mental. It also impacts the emotional. And so it has, its, it has a far-reaching effect, but it's a, it is a specific narrow focus. And we utilize meditation for 
all of the above. It's, it's good for physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. We utilize emotional release. We utilize life coaching. Um, and so it's taking different parts of our being and saying, okay, these are not separate things, even though they are slightly different, right? They have their own functionality. But when we bring them all together, we get this whole new thing called being human. And being human is deeply, deeply profound. It is an anomaly in nature. The, the ability that we have to cognize with forethought and, and um, our ability to imagine, our ability to take the tools outside of our body and to make them something so much more profound than they ever could have been in anywhere else in the animal kingdom or anywhere else in nature, that we actually are now creators of environments. Like these are really, really, really profound things that are coming from being human. Sorry, my cat's right next to me and it's shaking its head all over the place. Um, these are really profound things that are coming from being human that we don't really learn how to utilize very well. I mean, we, we focus on sharpening our intellect in school quite a bit. And there are certain aspects about the physiological in school as well. But we don't necessarily learn how to balance our emotions. We don't learn how to be emotionally intelligent, to process emotions, process the darker emotions and the challenging emotions so that we can be free of them instead of carrying them around as baggage and becoming a fractured self. And if I'm fractured emotionally, it's going to have a physical impact. It's going to have a mental impact and so on and so forth. But when I start to heal that fracture and that fracture becomes integrated and whole, that's where the whole starts to come back in. It's a bottom-up approach. I work with the individual pieces. The whole starts to heal. And it's a top-down approach where if I work with the whole, the individual pieces start to heal as well. And so it's, it's also why it looks different for everyone that we work with. Some people, we're going to be focusing on more, hey, what is, what is it you want from life? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Do you, have you ever contemplated what it means to have a purpose? Do you even believe that there is a purpose? Because if you believe in a purpose, that means you believe in a specific design being birthed out of life, whether it's a creator or it's some sort of intelligence being birthed from the evolutionary process. Thinking about that is really powerful and important as well, because it starts to show us how we individually, as well as collectively make meaning of life. Um, so it's, you know, it sounds, it, it's not super complex in as much as it's, Hey, let's find what your heart's telling you. Let's get you healthy. And let's make sure that whatever your heart's telling you starts to become the focus of your life. Even if it's not your career, it could be your career. It might not be. And let's do more of it. And let's do it to the point where you find yourself feeling very comfortable with being able to walk towards anything in life that comes up through intuition, not just intellect, where they're both balanced, you're being guided by both. And then you can live a life that you're passionate about. And that's healing unto itself. Mm. And it sounds awesome. That idea of this balanced life just sounds magical. But it, like lots of things, things that sound like, oh, that's quite simple, maybe or sounds great. It can be quite how, well, how, how do I start? <laughs> what is the starting point? So for, for anyone listening who's thinking, yeah, I want I want some of that. I want to live a more holistic life uh, in that way. What is the kind of uh, the easy? Mm -hmm. Is there an easy starting point or what would you recommend people kind of think about first? Yeah, well, I think you kind of nailed it right there is, is think. Think, ask yourself some questions, self-reflection. A lot of the ancient wisdom teachings were all about um the self-inquiry process. Who am I? 
What does it mean to ask that question? So what I would start with is, um, what do I care about? What do I genuinely care about? Not what I've been taught to care about. What do I care about? What does my heart care about? Do I currently have a set of core values? And the way that you can go about finding core values is if I were to redesign the world today and I were to give it three main tenets, three main values that everyone operates from, what would they be and why? Compassion, spiritual connection, love. Just keep going with whatever comes up. Well, why? Because that sounds like a canned answer to me. Okay. Because in my life, I have seen that when people are compassionate towards others, it builds a bridge and it starts to create a deeper connection that wasn't there before. And it doesn't matter who you are and where you come from. If there's compassion, there's connection. If there's connection, that's where life starts to spark and build a very healthy and healing type of society. Okay, now you're getting somewhere. You start to see what you actually care about. Questions like, what would I do if I, if I couldn't fail? If there, failure wasn't a thing, what would I do? And what these will start to do is they'll start to spark these, oh, interesting. It sounds like I want to spend more time in nature. Good. So once you've thought, once you've done the self-inquiry process, once you recognize what you care about, start doing things that include that. Go spend more time in nature. If you're someone who's compassionate and empathetic, start working with animals, start working with environmental cleanup, start working with anything that calls you, go scuba diving, go, you know, whatever it is, but do it. Get involved with a group of people who are like-minded and start doing more of it. And we're very social creatures. So that's what I would say to start with, you know, really do that. And then along the way, there's a lot of practices um, that can help deepen and heal, whether it's meditation, whether it's something like circling is big in the UK right now. Um, a lot of different, a lot of different practices, but, but if possible, find a way to start to learn to create more space internally. And then just always take a look at your, your health habits. What do you put in your body on a daily basis? We put, the only thing we put in our body more than food is air and nowadays information. So those are three good things. Am I, how am I utilizing my lungs? What's my exercise like? What's my breathing patterns like in meditation? What am I putting into my brain through information? Where am I getting my information? Hopefully podcasts like this and not Facebook. And where and what food am I putting in my body? And just the more you're aware of what comes in, because we're always, we are energy expending beings. I'm either giving energy out or I'm bringing it in. I'm either expending or renewing at every single moment. So where am I expending my energy and where am I bringing my energy in from? And are they healthy for me? And do I care about them? Am I passionate about them? Do they light me on fire? And if the answer is no, if you, if you break down every single thing you do and the answer is like, oh, this isn't my favorite thing for eight out of 10, let's start to shift that to seven out of 10, then to six out of 10. And then over however long period of time, people want it like that. I would say walk the long walk, not the short one. You know, if you in three years from now went from eight out of 10 things you do to something you don't care about to two out of 10 things you do, that's massive. That is massive. And that's a, that's a transformation. It doesn't need to happen today. It can happen over a few year period. 
because it's actually more sustainable if it happens over a few year period. Yeah, absolutely. Because if it's over that that longer period, you're really integrating it as you go. And I think also too much change in one go is really unsettling. And then we're more likely to cling on to the things we already like. So if you're if your life suddenly today is the, the eight out of 10 and tomorrow is like two out of 10 for the, the things you don't like. Actually, that's, that's really, that's really unsettling, even if it's fantastic. And what I typically find with that fast of a turnaround is that there's inevitably some sort of repression or suppression. There's some sort of rejection and judgment on the past on what you were doing instead of an integration. It's a yes, but instead of a yes, and. And we want a yes and because that's what we see in nature. Every single level of nature that is complex, but it gets more complex along the way is a yes and type. So my body is, you know, it's energy, yes, and that that makes up certain molecules, yes, and that makes up cells, yes, and that makes up organs, yes, and that makes up the body, right? It's not yes, but if it was yes, but we would die immediately. So where we, what we see everywhere in nature is a yes and, but we're such a polarized, multipolarized um, society, global society right now that we, we've learned to reject what's not what we want right now. But what can we learn to bring along with it? How can I learn to let my past be my past and actually be the catalyst for the future instead of having to amputate it and move forward, right? It has to be a yes and with our past if we're going to be a fully integrated being in our future. Amazing. Thank you for that. And then before we move on to the set questions I ask everyone, I wonder if you have a final thought that you'd like to share with us. <sighs> have fun. <laughs> just have fun with it. Take that deep breath that I just took. Uh, the second you find yourself getting overwhelmed with trying to figure out what makes you happy, you're overthinking it. Like still, you, you do the self-inquiry process, but don't overthink it, right? Your heart will tell you. I call them breadcrumbs. My heart has been following the breadcrumbs throughout my life and it has guided me to deeper, more profound places whenever I actually listen to it. it. Might not always be easy, but if I listen to it and if I just let it be like, okay, yeah, this is, it's simple, right? Just listen to it. It'll be fun, hopefully. It'll take you through challenges for sure. Life just, that's the way life is, but enjoy the process. Amazing, thank you. And that segues perfectly into my first question that I ask everyone, uh, which is what brings you joy in your life? Uh All right. So what brings me joy? Honestly, I'm so deeply fascinated with life. Just the the fact that we exist and the fact that we can ask ask and, and contemplate into what existence even means is beyond mind boggling. And that just brings me joy to contemplate life, to be with my partner, Melanie, to be with my cats and my dog and to be in communion and community, to, to have spiritual practices, to help have health practices, to get out in nature and to live a, a life that I'm called to, to be able to support other people in that same thing. Like I'm deeply passionate about my life. Um, and again, it's, there's a lot of challenges involved, a lot but I'm deeply passionate about meeting them because every time I walk through them, I come out even more grounded and more connected and more passionate about life. So really it's life. The unfolding of life itself is, is leaves me in awe. Awesome. And uh, the next question, sometimes it's similar, sometimes it's not, which is always interesting is what, uh, what makes your life meaningful? Mm, Yeah. Exact same answer. It's just finding following the great mystery. 
and that it's it's all inclusive if we really follow it to its end it'll it, it has taken me through wisdom teachings around the world traveling the world's taking taking me deep into psychology spirituality the the physical body into the emotions into relationship into uh the world and why the way why is the world the way it is right now and instead of judging that or thinking i know why it is the way it is asking deeper and more questions and recognizing the complexity of reality it's taking me to the depths of plant medicines and different ways of viewing the world um, so I, I find meaning in the exploration of life awesome so my next question or, or two questions is around uh, mental wellness and mental well-being which is the kind of overarching topic of the podcast and so the first question is what does mental wellness mean to you mm. it means um it, it be, essentially for me it's posing the question what is my relationship to myself because sadness anger rage hatred depression anxiety all these things are not bad it's my relationship to them do i judge myself for being anxious do i judge myself for being in hatred do i judge myself Am I shaming myself? Am I guilty for these things? That's my relationship to them. If I'm depressed or if I'm anxious or if I'm sad, it might just be an indicator that there's something that's presenting itself to me that I have the opportunity to sit with. And that might be not fun, right? Again, it might be challenging. But if facilitated in certain ways, there's a potential that it's, it's integrated and it doesn't keep me polarized. But it's when that's wrong, it's bad. Being Having a mental health disease is bad. And all these stigmas that are labeled on a lot of it, it creates a very dynamic relationship that creates, it ties a knot and it keeps, us, it keeps it more tethered to us than anything else. So mental health to me is what is my relationship with my internal processes, mainly my beliefs, thought processes, and my emotions. Okay. And then the follow-up is always how you look after your own mental well-being so kind of what you do for yourself mm. yeah absolutely you know a lot of it is a presence presence practice being aware of what's going on internally so that can come through meditation that can come through circling that can come through um somatic psychotherapy that can come through men's work that i do i, I sit in men's circles and a lot of it's about just being becoming aware of what we're unaware of so that we can heal it and cleanse it um, it's, it's the, it's the nutrition aspect as well, because a lot of what the, you know, kind of the studies coming out around, it's all, a lot of the talk has been around chemical imbalances in the brain. Uh, but more recent studies are bringing up when it comes to physiologically, um, if, you know, the, a bigger finger might be pointing at the, um, the inflammation in the brain. And so nutrition is a very, very good way if done correctly to lower inflammation. Um, and so it's the holistic lifestyle again, and it's, and it's living that and meeting what arises. If what arises is a, is a sense of insecurity or emptiness that leads to depression. Well, I need to be with that. I need to understand it. I need to be okay with it, not judge it and learn how to shift out or release it or integrate it so that I can be with that more and more and more until I don't, until it becomes a very just natural part of life to ride the peaks and troughs because that's what energy does and so it's just it's it's just learning and more and more and more hey what exists inside of me and that's comes through being present great thank you so much for that and then my next question sometimes a challenge 
so uh, we shall see, is can you describe your own mindset? That's interesting. My mindset is typically, well, let me pre this really quickly. Along my path, I've experienced some truly profound things, states of consciousness, expanded states of consciousness that are almost alien to the, the waking consciousness that a lot of us experience. Um, and so this, this enlightenment, this, this non-dual state, this awakened, this whatever label we want to put on it, I've, I've glimpsed and I've walked into more than once. And so I know from an experiential point that there is a deeply, deeply, deeply connected state of consciousness and being that exists within all of us. And so my mindset is, am I walking towards that or am I walking away from it? What in this moment, am I present to my body? Am I present to my awareness or am I not? Is what I'm doing in alignment with my core values and making meaning and following the great mystery of life deeply into that consciousness or not? So I use it as a measure, as, as a guiding post. It's my true north. It's my compass and my mindset. It's not all the time. I'll be honest, but for most of the time, it's where is my compass pointing? Oh, I'm heading the wrong direction right now, or I'm in alignment. Let's keep going. So it's really just following that, coming back to that with everything that I do. And like I said, the more I do that year after year, the more things shed and the more that open space, that expanded consciousness just starts to open up more and more. Awesome. Thank you for that. So my next question is one of my favorite ones to ask. Um, So we like to give the listeners lots of ideas of things that they can try out. And I think already there's uh, so much that, that they can kind of think about from, from what we've spoken about. But do you have a top one to three tips that you would recommend that people try that, that are going to have a massive impact in their lives? And this is practices? Yeah, anything, practices, tools. Okay. Yeah. Um, meditation. It, it's, it's hard to answer just because um, it depends on what someone's, someone's looking for. Meditation, self-inquiry. And maybe plant-based nutrition, I, I would throw in there as well, um, or some sort of um, group dialectic that is focused on unearthing unconscious parts of ourself. So like circling or core energetics, or um, there's a lot of them out there. There's a lot of them out there, but the group stuff is really powerful. Yeah, awesome. And yeah, we absolutely say it's sort of for people to to take on board the ideas, try them out if they want and, and to see it's about like, like you're saying the self inquiry that not everything is going to work for everyone. But actually, that can be really useful as well to know, actually, that didn't work for me. And then and trying other things. So um, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing those. And then my final question is where people can connect with you. Uh, if they're interested in working with you, if they're interested in your meditation groups, where can they find you? Yes, consciously.org. And um, on there, just go to the contact. I mean, you can look through it, obviously, uh, but you can go to the contact page and just set up a time to meet with me for a half hour consultation. And that way I like to get to know someone before I suggest, hey, you, you know, join the meditation group that runs twice a day or, hey, 
um, do my heart math training. It's a six week series or, Hey, come and do the full-time stuff with me or, Hey, I'm not the right person for you, but I do, I might be able to refer you to someone who might be more your jam. So that's why I like getting on the phone with people because it's, if nothing else, it could just be a fun and fascinating conversation, but that's really where the, okay, I'm getting more of a feeling about what your next step might be and how I might be, be able to help, um, facilitate at least some of the process. So that's the biggest thing, consciously.org and then the contact us page, obviously look through that. We're about to launch a separate HeartMath um, website. It's HeartMath slash consciously.org. Um, but if you're interested in HeartMath, just go to heartmath.com. They're amazing. They're amazing. And if you are interested, I do the training on that as well. So yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of capacities, but if you want to hop on the phone, I'm more than willing. Awesome. And we'll absolutely link in the show notes. So people can find you easy from there. And I'm definitely going to be checking out the heart math to see more about what that's about. Uh, so thank you so much, Harry, for joining me, for, for sharing some of your story and your wisdom. And we went really into meditation, which, uh, as I said, we kind of go wherever we go. And um, but I, I think it's it's something that can have a, a massive impact. And it's one that we quite often can shy away from because we have those those kind of concerns but um yeah thank you for everything that you shared and uh, for joining us today i appreciate you having me on i just want to do a quick gratitude to you i think that these types of podcasts like i said this is we're taking in information more than almost anything else and it really is important what type of information we're, we're taking in and the types of people you have on here and the types of conversations are i think are what are potentially have the potential to uh, lead our, our world in a really, really connected direction as opposed to where we, we are kind of headed right now. So um, thank you yeah. for having me on and, and for having this period. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Thanks again to Harry. And for me, the big takeaway was that idea of putting things into practice, not just hearing it. And it's something I definitely do. I have these conversations. I get really inspired. I think, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then I don't really take that next step of planning. How am I going to move forward with that thing? And so then when I come back to listen to them, I think, oh, yeah, that was such a great tip. But I haven't really done anything with it. And that is something that I'm definitely getting better at, actually taking those steps and thinking, well, how is this actually going to fit into my life? Where am I going to put this piece in so that I can do that thing that is really going to help me? So it could be that listening to this, if you're on the same page, you're thinking, oh, yeah, I often do that. I read something, I hear something, and then six months have passed and I haven't done it. Maybe set yourself a an action step or a goal from this of something you are going to think about and you are going to take forward. So for me personally, obviously we're talking about meditation and that is something that that is something I've been making a real effort to integrate into my life. And I've been working through the mindfulness-based stress reduction program, which is eight weeks. And actually I've just come to the eighth week of it, which they actually say is like the rest of your life kind of point. And through that, I've been exploring different ways of meditating. So they do a body scan where you're kind of really connecting into your body and um, putting your attention in different places and, and really embodying yourself, if that makes sense. Uh, they do the, the kind of classic seated meditation, focusing on the breath or some other kind of stimulus. They have a few other kind of guided meditations. And for me personally, one of the things that I found I quite like is in the evening 
uh, in the morning I do yoga as part of my morning routine so I try and really connect with my body then I really like mindful movement particularly at the start of the day so that's how I start my day and at the end of the day I like to set a timer for 20 minutes and sit on my meditation cushion and to start with I sort of really try and center myself I set an intention of maybe just being aware or connecting with my breath or or whatever it is and then I read a couple of verses um, from from a text that I'm reading to sort of contemplate and then I sit and sometimes I will do a bit of tuning into my breath maybe trying to lengthen my breath I might count my breaths or I will just kind of sit and see what comes up and try and notice in a slightly more detached way so I am noticing thinking I am noticing planning or noticing some discomfort in my foot or numb feet which quite often happens and yes I often uh, lose that train of thought but the practice as we talked about in this conversation is bringing that awareness back so for me these two things seem to work and so my goal going forward is to keep those in my life and I'm trying to do it every day but also I guess having that grace with myself that if something comes up and there's a day where it just doesn't happen to be okay with that and the next day start afresh I have often been a kind of all or nothing person like well I've, I've ruined it now I've not stuck with it so pff, whatever but actually it's it's a new day and I can start that day again on my map so for me that is my plan to maintain this and not just think well I've done those eight weeks I'm feeling great and then let it slip that actually for me that is my commitment to myself it's a part of my self-care it's something that I see now (laughs) this is a a newer uh, perspective shift um, that I see it as being able to show up on the podcast the way that I'd like to be able to show up as a coach uh, the way I'd like or as a, a volunteer in the mental health space the way that I would like I need to look after myself and do that self-care because if not then I'm not really in the headspace to to be there and I can't really support people in the way that I want. So for me they've kind of become non-negotiables really. Not completely there is that flexibility as I just said but to be at my best or to try and be at my best I try and put these things in because then I know I will be calmer, more grounded etc. And I'm still working on the sleep thing, which I talked about on Monday. So that uh, that's me. And I guess the only other thing I want to say is the the kind of mental health perspective. I think it's really interesting to hear the way Harry spoke about that. And I think it's a really interesting thing that I definitely, when I was depressed, probably would be quite resistant to the way that, that Harry talked about it, because I think I was quite identified with those feelings of being depressed and And I think that at that time, what I needed was therapeutic input and and medication to get to a level where I could do some of these things that were beneficial and start to really change the thoughts and feelings that for me were the the root of my depression. And really for me, it was about that that self-hatred, that low self-worth and all of that. And that is not true of everyone with a, a mental health condition. And whilst I think it it can be being able to shift your mindset, being able to make positive changes in your life, I do think, and I have seen from my own experience, can be really beneficial. But I think it's a very personal thing. And for me, if, if I hadn't had that therapeutic input and the medication to get to a level where I could start to make those changes, then I don't think it would have been sustainable. 
but I think also sometimes we can the the stigma is a real thing and sometimes it can be in a way of shaming people um and you know saying that well you just need to do this this and this and then it will all be fine and I'm not sure if that's the case and you hear of people who seem to have everything going well and they've done all these things and they're doing all those positive things but still there there is that stuff there um and so I I guess my point is that there are lots of different perspectives and there can be something really powerful in changing the way you think and feel about what is going on for yourself but sometimes it is still really difficult because it is when it's when it's clinical mental health it has a really powerful grip on you and I guess if you're listening to this and if you were thinking that's not how I feel about my mental health and, and felt the resistance it's definitely something that I can relate to from when I was there um and I guess it comes back to our kind of central message that there's not a one-size-fits-all approach. And if you are struggling in your mental health, it's about finding what works for you and the support that works for you. And I think that looks a little different for everyone. And if you are struggling, I think the first point of call is to, if you can, to speak to someone, whether that's friends, family, someone like the Samaritans, but speaking to a uh, your medical practitioner, your GP, um, to see about the support. And I know in the in the UK with the NHS, there's lots of different creative ways of being able to support people. And actually, one of the ones that's quite interesting for people who have more treatment resistant depression, so where it maybe hasn't responded to therapy or hasn't responded to medication, they are often prescribing mindfulness based cognitive therapy. So it's using meditation and mindfulness techniques that then can kind of combined uh, with therapy. And that is an area I'm super interested in finding out more about and possibly training in delivering myself. So it's not, I guess, not a case of if you speak to someone, they're just going to say, take this and it will be fine. Hopefully you will see someone who has more creative ways of experimenting and seeing what works for you. So I guess uh, just a note on that. Um, As I said, my takeaway is thinking about what I'm putting in place myself. And definitely when I have that mindfulness and meditation in place, I definitely feel much more stable in my moods. I feel much more able to deal with things and happier as well and for someone who when I was depressed it was kind of flat but numb I feel I'm 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 pretty much steady in the kind of flatness but it's higher up so it's elements of joy I'm not I'm I'm feeling stuff <laughs> I'm not feeling nothing so although it's stable and steady in in a similar way actually it's a much more kind of positive um consistent mood I don't know if that makes sense at all but um I would encourage you if this is not something that you've tried for yourself to to find a way of being more present and mindful in your day because there is a growing body of evidence that it can be really beneficial for mood and mental health and personally I have felt that for myself so it doesn't have to be the seated meditation as I said I love mindful movement there can be lots of different ways but if you haven't set yourself a a step to take forward from this and put something in practice, maybe think about a way that you can be more present with yourself and more mindful and, and try that out. And I would love to know how you get on. 
so you can connect with us on social media. We are at Psyche Coaching, P-S-Y-K-H-E Coaching, uh, Instagram, Facebook, probably where you'll find us the most, but we love to hear from you. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please do rate, review and share. It really means a lot and helps us to reach more people. That's everything for today. We'll be back on Monday with another fab episode. I really hope that you have a good rest of your week. Take care of yourself. Be kind to yourself and others. And I'll speak to you soon. Bye for now. 